in the season nine premiere of Dark Winter Nights, True Stories from Alaska. Then my grandpa Joe shot out of his sleeping bag and said, that's it, it's kicking me. Harper O'Brien's grandfather is tormented by a squirrel pretending to be a bear. My house gets possessed by a demon squirrel just as I'm trying to move out. So I took a pause from painting to go out into my living room, only to find Demon Squirrel standing on top of my television. And Glenner Anderson discovers why they can never find Bigfoot on those Searching for Bigfoot reality TV shows. There's a reason you haven't found Bigfoot! He's right there! Squirrel, Squirrel, Bigfoot. Up next on Dark Winter Nights, True Stories from Alaska, I'm Rob Prince. Welcome to the belated Season 9 premiere of Dark Winter Nights, True Stories from Alaska. For those of you who follow the show closely, you know that I actually threw in the towel and moved away from Alaska this past summer after 18 years in the last frontier. While it's great to be back in Michigan close to family and many old friends, it certainly is bittersweet and Alaska will always have a special place in my heart. Rest assured, I'll still be involved in producing the Dark Winter Nights live shows from afar and, as you can hear, producing and hosting the radio show and podcast. Much thanks to my dedicated executive producers, Chris Swolinski, Robin, Ryan Peterson, and Brittany Carnes, who have stepped up to make sure Dark Winter Nights continues on, even as I step back a bit in my role with the show. It was that brutal move and transition from Fairbanks to Michigan that caused the lapse in radio and podcast episodes for the show this past fall, but we've made a change to the program that should help avoid future lapses in production, You see, I was under the impression that each show had to have a theme, no matter how lame the theme was, or there would be rioting the streets and people would burn down the radio station. But it turns out nobody seems to really care if these episodes have themes, so now I can just take whatever stories I like and put them together, which gives me a lot more options for putting together more shows. So that's why the title of today's show is Squirrel, Squirrel, Bigfoot, because those are the topics of the stories in the show today. There's almost a squirrel theme, but I didn't have three squirrel stories. So there you go. Thanks for understanding. All right, that's enough of that. I've noticed that a fair number of visitors I've hosted in Alaska seem to be under the impression that bears creep out of the woods and drag people away kicking and screaming on a fairly regular basis up in Alaska. For the record, in almost 18 years of living in Fairbanks, I never once saw a bear anywhere within probably 200 miles of town. Moose, however, those are what you should really be scared of. Our first young storyteller today had a similar experience with intense bear phobia when his grandfather joined his family on a drive up the Alcan to Alaska. Harper O'Brien shared this story at our November 2015 live event in Fairbanks. This summer, my grandpa Joe flew up from Florida to drive the Alcan to California with us. The week before we left, everybody was telling their scariest bear stories. 
So when we left, he was both intrigued and petrified of bears. The third day in, we were driving to Watson Lake in the Yukon Territory, and we had been seeing bears all over the road. We finally got in, drove into the campsite. We had dinner and set up our tent and went to sleep. That night, at four o'clock in the morning, my Grandpa Joe said, There's something out there. <laughs> my mom was thinking, yeah, yeah. But then she heard this. So she was like, oh. I was annoyed because I had been sleeping with my back on a rock all night. So I told them to be quiet. <laughs> then my grandpa Joe shot out of his sleeping bag and said, that's it, it's kicking me. My dad was getting on his contacts as fast as he could so that he'd see what was out there. I'm not sure what he was expecting, but he found out squirrels had been nibbling off clumps of pine cones and they had been falling and hitting the space where Grandpa Joe's head was. After that, he felt kind of embarrassed and we gave each other road nicknames and his was Kicking Squirrel. Now he even signs his emails as Kicking Squirrel. Four days later on the Oregon coast, Right before we went to bed, my mom asked my dad if we should bring the bear spray into the tent. He said, nah, we don't need to. That reminded my Grandpa Joe to ask this question. Why are we spraying the bear spray around the tent in all shoals before we go to bed? We explained to him that it wasn't a bug spray. You spray in the bear's face when you nose to the nose with the bear. He didn't want to get nose to nose with the bear, so he gave up on that idea. He felt embarrassed, but hey, he's from Florida. We finally made it to California, and he got a good night, and he got his first good night's rest in days. But I don't think he's ever going to drive the Alcat with us again. Thank you. Harper O'Brien. He shared that story at our November 2015 live event in Fairbanks. While squirrels up in Alaska can do more than just impersonate bears, they're also pretty handy at breaking and entering, as I discovered in the summer of 2023, when I was desperately trying to move out of my house and get it ready for renters. Here's me, Rob Prince, with the story of my battle with one demon squirrel. I'm not sure where this demon squirrel came from, but he could not have come at a worse time. It, <laughs> it was the summer of 2023, and I was in the process of trying to pack up my house so I could move from Alaska to Michigan, while also getting it ready to rent out, which needed <laughs> a lot of work. This squirrel first got my attention because as I was sitting on the couch watching TV, I'd watch it jump off a tree in front of my window, bounce off the window frame, land on the bottom of the window frame, then jump up into my bird feeder, grab one sunflower seed, and then jump out again. And every time that he did this, he would send my bird feeder slamming into my $1,000 window, threatening to break it. So I thought, okay, here I live in the woods, I can coexist with nature, so I decided to just move the bird feeder a little bit further away from the window so that every time he jumped out, it wouldn't send the bird feeder crashing into my window. 
problem solved. The other thing I noticed is that he had this interesting habit of collecting mushrooms and storing them in the branches of the pine tree next to another window in my living room. And I learned that squirrels do this to dry out the mushrooms and then they store them for the winter. They even go so far as to organize the mushrooms in piles based on their toxicity so they can, I don't know, start with the less toxic ones and if necessary, eat the more trippy mushrooms later on in the winter. But I didn't start to have really serious issues with the squirrel until I had some guests coming up from Michigan, one of whom promptly got COVID, so we were spending a lot of time hanging around the house. And I started to hear the sound of a squirrel running on the roof, but I couldn't tell where it was running. When I went up on the roof, I saw nothing there. And that's when the realization dawned on me that the squirrel was not running on the roof. The squirrel was running in the roof. It had found a hole in the overhang of my roof, and it was taking all of these mushrooms and storing them inside my roof about a month before I was going to rent this house out. So clearly that was something that could not continue. So I got up on a ladder and I covered the hole with a couple little pieces of wood, screwed them in, and thought, okay, problem solved. Well, the next day, the squirrel proceeded to start gnawing away at these pieces of wood, and he was making really good progress. He was about a third of the way through the piece of wood before I decided I should probably use strips of metal. Wood wasn't going to stop him for nothing. Shortly after I'd covered up the hole with metal strips, I found a mushroom for me on my porch, which I took to interpret as kind of a peace offering from the squirrel, asking if there was some way that we could continue to coexist. And having softened my hard heart, I decided I would build this squirrel its own little house right next to the hole where it had been storing its mushrooms so that it could continue to have a place to store its food for the winter. And even built a door in the side of this little house so I could put in some things to help keep the squirrel warm and some bird seed to help it get through the winter. At which point I thought we were doing an A-plus job of learning to coexist. Things were okay for a while after that until one morning when my girlfriend and I were sitting on the couch with my cat when all of a sudden the squirrel comes bursting through the window screen and is suddenly standing there in my living room staring at us as if to say, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't realize you were home. I immediately grabbed the cat who was extremely surprised by this turn of events as we all were and the squirrel immediately turned tail and bounced right back out of the living room through the hole in the screen that I hadn't even noticed. I wasn't exactly sure what I was going to do about the hole in my screen, but I knew I could at least keep the squirrel out by closing the window, and that would take care of that problem for now. A few days later, I was in the process of painting my ceiling when I heard an unusual sound in the living room. And if you own a pet, you know when a sound is the sound of your pet and when a sound is not the sound of your pet. And I knew this was not the sound of my pet. So I took a pause from painting to go out into my living room, only to find Demon Squirrel standing on top of my television. I knew two things at that point. One, I didn't have time to deal with this right now. But two, I wanted to know how he was still getting into my house. So without much of a plan, I decided to just approach him and see how he escaped. And he proceeded to jump off the television, jump into the window frame, and then scurry around the window frame through presumably a gap between the window frame and my log walls. Upon inspection, I could see that he had indeed been removing insulation from between the window frame and the logs, and that explained the little bits of insulation I'd been finding around the house that I thought were just randomly falling out of my house. No, they weren't randomly falling out of my house. The squirrel was digging them out, and he had created a tunnel for himself to get in and out of my house. Why? I have no idea. Maybe he wanted to use my entire house as his mushroom storage facility. But since this was painting day, I was not in a position to deal with it right now. 
And so I said, I'm going to pretend I didn't see that. I'm going to go back to painting. And I proceeded to paint for a few more hours before I finished what I wanted to do for that day and heard that weird sound again. This time I came into the living room. The squirrel again was on my television, but now I had time to deal with it. Fortunately, my house was kind of a mess, so I grabbed a random sock off the floor and jammed it into the hole between the window frame and the wall so you wouldn't have a way to escape. And then, with literally zero plan, I approached the squirrel just to see what would happen. All I knew was this squirrel could no longer live anywhere near my house, and so I was going to catch him and relocate him. I know that's not the best thing to do, I'm sorry about that, but it was that or eliminate the squirrel, and I figured if I were the squirrel, I'd at least want to be given a shot at survival. As I approached the squirrel, his countenance clearly changed, and he definitely had a I-need-to-get-out-of-here look on his face. The first place he tried to run to was the gap between the window and the logs, but now that there was a sock in there, he realized that was not going to work for him, so he went back to his plan B, ah yes, the hole in the screen. However, since I had closed the window, he could run through the hole in the screen, but immediately ran into the window and was now trapped between the window and the screen. So in the matter of about 15 seconds, I'd gone from potentially chasing a squirrel all around my entire house to now having a squirrel trapped in about a three-foot square area between a window and a screen. The situation had definitely shifted to my favor, but the war was still not yet won. I managed to jam a blanket in the hole and go look for a box that I might be able to put in front of the hole to see if I could get him to run into that. Nearby, I found just the right box. It was a Lego box from my Apollo 11 Lego set that was just about the right size with just about the right size opening that I thought maybe I could get this squirrel to run into it. The next step for me was to try and gently encourage the squirrel to try and run back through the hole in the screen into the dark space, which maybe he would presume was some sort of tunnel escape. The only thing I could find to encourage the squirrel toward the hole was the little metal handle that you turn to make the window open and close. So I proceeded to gently poke the squirrel in an effort to guide him down to the hole, but it only really resulted in him running around in frantic circles in the screen, occasionally stopping once in a while so both of us could catch our breath. Finally, with just the right amount of gentle poking, I was able to encourage the squirrel to jump into the box, and I immediately pulled the box away, closed the lid, and duct taped it shut. But... Knowing how quickly the squirrel could eat through wood, I knew it was not going to last long in this cardboard box. So I took the cardboard box, put it into a larger plastic box, put the lid on the plastic box, and then put my circular saw on top of that because there was no way I was going to lose this opportunity to relocate this squirrel. My teenage daughter was going to come over for dinner in about 15 minutes, so I decided to wait and see if she wanted to participate in the release of this demon squirrel. When she arrived, I said, I've got a little bit of a problem. I've got a squirrel in a box, and I'm wondering if you would like to help me release it. And because my daughter is almost always up for adventure, she agreed. So the two of us got in the car, me driving, her with the giant plastic box in her lap, which contained another box, which contained a squirrel. And we proceeded to drive toward a natural area where I thought the squirrel might have the best chance of surviving. I wasn't really sure how far squirrels can move in a lifetime, so I wanted to make sure we were at least a few miles away, and we found a suitable spot and got out of the car so we could release Demon Squirrel into its new habitat. As my daughter was cutting open the Lego box in order to release the squirrel, I said to her, don't worry, the sides of the box are super slippery. He's not going to be able to crawl out of there if you want to have a quick look at him before you release him. My daughter, even in her late teenage years, unfortunately has still not learned that much of what I say is unreliable. And so she proceeded to open the lid of the box. And as she opened the second flap, bam, there was a squirrel right in her face. It was true that the squirrel could not climb up the sides of the box, but what I had forgotten is that squirrels can jump about 100 feet. And so a rectangular box about 2 feet long was not going to slow this squirrel down. 
She proceeded to scream, I think maybe in a little way, the squirrel proceeded to scream too, and jumped off and ran through the bushes, and you could see the bushes wavering as the squirrel ran through them. My daughter proceeded to have a good cathartic cry about that, when I noticed that the flap on the side of the box the squirrel had jumped out of had something very interesting written on it. Because this was the Lego Apollo 11 kit, it had written on it, it's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. I pointed this coincidence out to my daughter, but in that moment she wasn't fully ready to appreciate it. The next day a new squirrel showed up. Fortunately, this squirrel proved to be a lot more civilized, though it did proceed to go on to steal all the mushrooms that the demon squirrel had left. Wherever you are now, Demon Squirrel, I hope you're surviving the winter. I'm sorry we could not find a way to coexist. But if you live in my house, you gotta pay rent. And the bank doesn't accept mushrooms. That was me, Rob Prince, recounting my battle with a Demon Squirrel in the summer of 2023. If you live in Fairbanks and had a squirrel show up to your house behaving like that in late summer of 2023, I apologize for foisting him upon you. You know it's the same squirrel I had at my house if it has the words hurt and pain tattooed on its knuckles. We'll be back in a moment with Glenner Anderson's Bigfoot discovery in just a moment. This is Dark Winter Nights True Stories from Alaska, the Squirrel Squirrel Bigfoot episode. I'm Rob Prince. Would you like to see Dark Winter Nights live and in person? We'll be back in Herring Auditorium in Fairbanks, Alaska on Saturday, February 24th, 2024 at 7 o'clock p.m. Be advised our last live event in November sold out before we even opened the lobby. Tickets are on sale now on our website, darkwinternights.com. That's also where you can find a link to our Best of Dark Winter Nights book, sign up for our e-newsletter, and listen to our podcast. We hope to see you on Saturday, February 24th, 2024. Have you ever wondered how those searching for Bigfoot reality TV shows can work so hard looking for Bigfoot but still never find him? Well, Fairbanks radio legend Glenner Anderson may have discovered why they haven't found him yet when he had an encounter with one of those shows when they came up to Fairbanks. He shared this story at our March 2023 live event in Fairbanks. I'm on the radio, and this guy calls and says, hey, we're doing a reality show up in Fairbanks. We want to come by and do an interview because we want to do something on there. I go, what's the show? And the producer goes, Finding Bigfoot. Have you heard of it? Is it still on? Oh, my God. Because this was like eight years ago. So the guy comes on, and I have him on the show. 
And uh, one of the hosts actually uh, is a moneymaker. He's actually a relative of the moneymaker family from town. And he's doing this show and very serious about Bigfoot. And he's going, yeah, we've had lots of sightings around the state. And we're doing our show in an episode here. And I'd heard of the show. I'd never really watched it. So I watched a couple episodes. And it's just an hour of everybody going, shh, what was that? <laughs> they got the night goggles so everybody's eyes are glowing, you know, like creatures from Star Trek. And so uh, they're coming up to Fairbanks. I go, well, what's your plan? He goes, well, we do what's called a town hall. And uh, we bring people and we, we want to put a, a cry out to people who have seen Bigfoot. An encounter with Bigfoot in the interior of Alaska. I go, okay, really? You think there's going to be somebody that's seen Bigfoot in Alaska? So um, he's going, oh, yeah, and he's telling me all about the show. And if you haven't seen the show, yeah, it's Finding Bigfoot. Um, every week they go to try to find him. Guess what? They haven't found him. I'm just picturing people every week, you know, getting their bowl of popcorn this is going to be the week. I feel it, Helen. I feel it. So, okay, where are you going to do this? Musher Saul. All right. So we get them on the air and we talk. We promote it on the radio stations and everything. And uh, I think I, I was on X-Rock at the time where I still am. 6, 10 a.m. Uh, Monday through Friday. So, just so I said, okay, well, that sounds good. All right. Well, good for you. Fantastic. Fighting Bigfoot. Town Hall. Show up if you got a story. And uh, he goes off, and I go up to my desk, and I go to my office. There's a message. I go, beep. This is all it says. Com hey, Glenner, it's Compo. People from Finding Bigfoot are in town. Let's f*** with them. Beep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, yeah. What do you got in mind? He goes, I'm, I'm on my way over there. Craig Compo shows up in my office with a Star Wars Wookiee costume and a yak hide. Now, this is a few years ago, early, April, or early August, and he's got this yak hide, so we cut a hole to put the yak hide over the top so it doesn't look quite so wookie-ish. And we cut some of the hair and glue some of the hair onto the face to make it look more big-footy. So anyway, the big, uh, that, that evening, town hall. Now, uh, I went up there, and I was ill-prepared for the number of people in our fair city <laughs> who have claimed to see Bigfoot. <laughs> they couldn't fit one more person in that room. And they all had a story to tell. They all looked about like you'd think they'd look. <laughs> when you think of somebody that's seen Bigfoot. Now, here's the deal. I am um, I'm embedded, right, in the room. And my job Here's the deal, is there's the big field outside at the Mushers Hall. I am to cue Craig. By, now, we're not supposed to have cell phones, so I have to be very stealth and let him know. And Craig is going to come walking through the field <laughs> by the windows dressed as Bigfoot. I should mention two things that are very important to this story. One, it was during that August where we had rain, a lot of rain. It was pouring that day. Pouring. On top of that, that field in the summer is pretty much vetched out. Grown in with vetch. By applause, how many have tried to walk through five-foot vetch? <laughs> Wet five-foot vetch. Dressed in a Wookiee costume. <laughs> and you're in about as good a shape as Craig Compo. He has not been training for this. 
And he's been standing out there in the rain for like 30 minutes. This yak hide and Wookiee costume are now soaked in about 150 pounds of wet Wookiee. And I'm waiting. And they've got film crews. They've got maybe four different cameras in this room. I go, this is going to be beautiful. And I text the words, go now. And I wait. I start to look out there. And sure enough, there I see Craig out. But he's about 100 yards out. I'm, they'll see him. He's, I, mean, I see him stumble and fall and get up. So, takes him about 15 minutes to make his way through the vetch across that big field. Four cameras out there, 150 people in there. Not a goddamn person saw him. <laughs> now I'm understanding the show. There's a reason you haven't found Bigfoot. He's right there. Oh, am I trying to throw little rocks at the window? <clears throat> So he gets to the other side, and all I get is one word, well? I said, they didn't see you. Turn around and go back the other way. And he sends me one word again, starts with an F, and it was followed by seven U's. Comes a little closer and back by he goes. They don't see him again. <laughs> so I said, all right, screw it, Craig. This time he goes, dude, I'm dying here. I'm like, he's going to cardiac. This is, we're going to see Bigfoot, not only see him, we're going to watch Bigfoot die in a field of soaking wet vetch. I said, just walk right by the building. And he does. And he walks right by. The room freaks out. Loses their sh And they're, oh my God! Oh. And then all of a sudden, they start to laugh. And go, oh, wait, oh! And, they, and everybody erupts and goes crazy. And the producer is human. And that's when I slide out. And I just go out the door, and I sneak around the corner... And I get in my car and I go over to the side road and I pick up Craig. He's just sweaty mess. This mess, the glue is now falling off. He's like, ah, oh, ah. Oh. And he's in his Wookiee costume. We turn around, we go, and the producers have blocked the road. <laughs> I go, hey. And they recognize me from the radio station. And they look at me and they just go, are you kidding me? <laughs> and they go, would you guys do that again? That was funny. You know, these guys ain't giving us nothing. <laughs> so if you watch episode 214, you might see Craig in the Wookiee costume. Maybe. You do see me saying, go now. And that's my story. Glenn Anderson. He shared that story at our March 2023 live event in Fairbanks.
Thanks so much for listening to this Season 9 premiere episode of Dark Winter Nights True Stories from Alaska. Today's episode was edited by myself, Rob Prince. Story consultation by Lori Newfeld. If you'd like to check out Dark Winter Nights in person, we'll be back on stage very soon. Our next live show is Saturday, February 24th at 7 o'clock p.m. in Lathrop High School's Herring Auditorium. Tickets are on sale now at darkwinternights.com. Remember, these are the stories we tell up here in Alaska on Dark Winter Nights. I'm Rob Prince.